0: Welcome, you lovely listeners. I have myself a honey almond tea in hand, and I can't wait to sink my teeth into today's writing prompt story. Now, many of you out there may not have heard or know of what a writing prompt story is. It is a community-driven story writing forum on Reddit that sees anybody submit an idea for a story. So, for example, one writing prompt could be an ancient battlesuit comes to life, but only when an 11-year-old touched a button on its arms that no one noticed was there. There's a war coming, and this 11-year-old is you. Writing prompts is just a fantastic way to throw ideas at a wall made of books and see what idea sticks to that blank paper. Today, I bring you a story written by Matt Tig One Two Three. Which, after reading and narrating it, is what I'd imagine if Harry Potter was a horror story instead. Which, to me, is one of the best compliments I could dish out. I really enjoy Harry Potter. I'll include Matigs123's Reddit details in the show notes. Go check out their account. Let them know how much you love their storymates. Every creator loves to know that they're doing a great job. Now, of course, it's time for my big shout outs to my white tea warlords ever awesome matthew j bauer truly marvelous maya and fantastico divided by zero cheers for being brilliant superstars to this podcast with every otr new story and new techniques applied to the audio that i carry out on each episode i'm always thinking of you lovelies thanks for helping make this happen you are brilliant and my awesome Ogre forces, Chad Warren, Just Heather, Lee Bauer, Lorraine Cresanto, Mace Joe, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffaelli, and Michelangelo Yacone. Thank you for supporting me and keeping the podcast lights glowing and the engine at a steady hum. You're just brilliant, all of you. Now turn the lights off, the sound up, and let's walk into Dreadwarts. You have always been homeschooled, but your parents decide to send you to a prestigious boarding school to take an entrance exam, which you ace, when you find out only one other kid passed, with a 67. You realise this isn't a normal high school, and that you're apparently not a normal student. It wasn't like Mother to send me to a boarding school. She had never been one to let me out of her sight. Much less let me run free and wild at a distant school. Being homeschooled gave me a special type of attachment to my mother. Not an Oedipal relationship, mind you. It was more than that. She was more protective than she had to be. More watchful. She had a plan for me whose parts I would only be made privy to when I reached the right time. I wondered if the right time was now. As the bridge we were driving over swung dangerously, I tried not to look down. We were dizzlingly high, surely the final stretch of the several-hour car ride. Only the GPS had talked, spitting out the occasional direction. Dad sat hunched over the wheel, hands gripped so hard they were white. Mother hadn't stopped gazing sadly out the window, somehow stomaching the vertiginous height. I breathed again when we were on solid ground. Losing ourselves in the darkness of the forest. Mother turned in her seat and gave me a loving smile. Dad finally took a sip of coffee. The only hint that he was more than a lifeless drone at the wheel. The tension was unfamiliar. It had been ever since the package arrived and the drive had been no different. Dad seemed to flip between anger and indifference. He seemed to blame me, just like he always had. A murder of crows, lifted off from the gate as we emerged from the forest, and they retreated to the safety of the castle walls, soaring comfortably over the green of well-trimmed trees and hedges. The grounds were pretty, and I had to give them that. It made sense, considering the exclusivity that my mother had touted. They weren't selling me on it because it wasn't a choice. I would either go and like it, or go and hate it. The grounds reminded me of a castle from a fairy tale, sinister and foreboding, yet its inhabitants misunderstood. I skipped that stage of teenage angst, I think, knock on wood. My relationship with my parents wasn't bubbly, but it never deviated far from being cordial. Doors had never slammed and plates had never flown. We had had our spats, but nothing that merited being sent away to a boarding school. Not in my opinion, at least. As much as that was worth, my first hint had been the previous week. Mom was out for coffee with a friend, acquaintance, she would correct me here, and Dad was working in his study like he always did, so I answered the door when the postman knocked. He handed me the package. It was marked Dreadfort Preparatory School. He gave me a sad look. Good luck, kid. They broke the news over dinner, but the school uniform in the package had already ruined the surprise. Mother broke the news. Dad just shoveled peas into his mouth, as if he was seeing how many he could eat at once. Dryly. There was no fun or amusement in his attempts, just a desire for complete separation from whatever the next part of the plan was. The same familiar separation. It wasn't fair. This wasn't how things should have gone. I was supposed to take the ACT and SAT next year, and then finally go off to college, where I would meet a girl and fall in love, and then all that happily ever after bullshit would happen. That's what mum always said would happen. She had a tear in her eye when she hugged me goodbye. Dad shook my hand. His fingers were cold, just like his stare. Good luck, kid. Gee, thanks, dad. As loving as the postman... At least he had dignified me with a goodbye. There was a headmaster, as these schools tend to have. He greeted us all on the far end of the drawbridge, me, my parents, and another student. The other student had been waiting on this side of the moat when I arrived. He had a bag in each hand and was looking across the drawbridge like a child awaiting his first school bus. His hair and shoulders had been wet, but the rain had passed several hours before, as we zigged and zagged up the mountainside. Cornelius Dredd was the name of the headmaster used when he introduced himself, welcoming the smallest class ever at Dreadfort Preparatory. He seemed proud of that. I'm not sure why. More was always better. More students meant more money. More students meant more potential once they were set loose to conquer the world. Now there were two of us. Two of us who were walked up The old stone stairs with a thousand years of footsteps carved into them. Two of us who were unceremoniously ushered into the living quarters we would share. The other boy's name was Marcus. He didn't offer a last name and I didn't ask. He got a 67 on his entrance exam and I immediately pegged him as being not the brightest bulb in the shed. There weren't many bulbs to choose from. Bright or less bright, brightest or dimmest, Seven fewer points, and I would be the brightest and dimmest. It's a miracle anybody even passed. He marveled. The room was high up in the spire of one of the castle's towers. I felt like Rapunzel. All I was missing was the tits and the hair, and somebody looking to get me out of here. Ian. I introduced myself, abbreviating and butchering my own name. I hated my name. I wished for a normal name. Charles. John. John. William. One good thing about being homeschooled is that the worst bully I had to deal with was my dad, and more often than not, his chosen method was an artistic blend of the silent treatment and withering stares. Marcus's eyebrows raised, and I hoped he hadn't received some memo about my real name. Like Aynarel? I sighed dejectedly and nodded. Like Aynarel? That's badass. He whispered in apparent awe, oblivious to my discomfort. I hated my name, but that made me smile inside. I looked to change the subject. How many people took the exam? I had figured it might have been a couple of dozen. At best. Some weird niche that my parents discovered and fully embraced, like a pyramid scheme where I am lucky enough to be crushed by the weight of the entire structure. Just a little piece of the foundation, offering my full support and receiving nothing in return. He looked at me oddly, and I felt like I had somehow offended him. Maybe he took that 67 personally. I wouldn't hold it against him if he convinced me I shouldn't. I had aged the test. It didn't seem particularly hard. My parents had taught me the material superbly. Mother, mostly. He laughed. Maybe he thought I was joking. What are you? homeschooled? When I nodded, his face got serious and he mumbled an apology. Sorry, didn't realize. My questions still lingered in the air, and it seemed to smack him in the face, demanding an answer. Oh, right, thousands of people take the exam. Anybody who thinks they might have a bit of blood in them, if you know what I mean. I didn't know what he meant. And just two passed. He nodded grimly. Mother had told me it was my first taste of one of these standardized tests I would need to enter the college. The content should have clued me otherwise, paired with the proctor who stood patiently observing me as I filled in countless bubbles and scratched hurried essays into writing. Like I said, a miracle! The most selective school in the world for people like you and me! I looked him up and down. He was fit. A meathead, maybe. I wondered if they would have him lifting blocks of stone in the dungeon this castle surely had. Maybe his bag was stuck with syringes so he could pump some steroids. I wondered if the other students looked more like me or more like him. We were nothing alike. He cocked his head towards the window. Towards freedom. Towards everything I thought was normal. ''Them were your parents?'' I nodded. ''You sure?'' ''Your dad didn't look the part?'' What's that supposed to mean? I retorted. We were making our bed with the sheets that we had found waiting on each bed, white, silky sheets, along with an order from the headmaster that not a wrinkle should be showing when we were done. I smoothed out one and it popped up somewhere else. The way he carried himself, not like my dad, not like any other I've seen. You really sure they were your parents? I furrowed my brow and scoffed sarcastically. <laughs> I was sure. He shook his head confidently, casually dismissing one of the very few things I knew to be true anymore. I don't think so. Headmaster Dredd didn't seem to recognize your dad. So? So that means he isn't a dread, Which means he isn't your dad. You wouldn't be here otherwise. Headmaster Cornelius Dredd was not a pleasant man. I had learned as much in our brief interaction at the drawbridge, and by the way he carried himself with an entitled arrogance. In spite of that, I couldn't help but feel drawn to his mystery. Him and the castle, both enigmas sheltered deep in the mountain fortress under the pretense of offering some obscure and coveted education. Bells rang to beckon us at a ceremony, and I found myself surrounded by no more than a dozen other students, They chatted amongst themselves as we made our way across the grounds towards the main hall. Four were girls, and for some reason, that surprised me. I expected the boarding school to home nothing but boys. It was exciting, and I chastised my rampant hormones for thinking about that when there were so many other questions at hand. They all fell silent as we entered the hall, and I could just make out their muted footsteps on the stone floors. The staff inside outnumbered us, Silent butlers garbed in forest green robes shuffling back and forth in the background. They would have reminded me of leprechauns had the situation been more... festive. Instead, the demeanour was more fitting for a leprechaun's funeral. Platters of food sat waiting for us at two long tables. Two rectangular tables that seated six apiece. All seats facing centre. And then one more small table that sat alone between them. A private table somebody's personal exile. And then there was the headmaster. He stood at the front of the massive hall in the same black suit, his frame silhouetted by roaring flames in the fireplace behind him. The stone arches of the great hall dwarfed him, but he was still at least a head taller than any of the butlers. Their world seemed to revolve around him right then. A majestic figure dictating the destinies of more than just a handful of us in that room. The shadows thrown by the flames of the torches on the walls never obscured his face, yet all their lights seemed focused on him, in a fiery spotlight. Thirteen marks indicated where we should stand, as pointed out to us by one of the wordless butlers. The room fell silent, the crackle of the flames somehow disappearing while they still shone bright and the patter of footsteps ceasing. The butlers stood frozen in place, as the headmaster stepped down the three steps onto the floor. He approached us, the row of seven staggered behind the row of six. I had found a spot at the far left of the row of six, falling into place behind Marcus. I cast a furtive glance toward him now. He stared straight ahead. A cadet ready for his drill sergeant's inspection. The headmaster ignored the others and first went to Marcus towering over his stout, muscular frame. Marcus, he said simply. Nobody else said a word. I wonder if I'd missed Orientation Week. Maybe that's when they were told how to stand and to stay quiet. I took a moment, now that no eyes were upon me, to observe the Headmaster more closely. Headmaster Cornelius Dredd had the chiseled jawline and high cheekbones of a man accustomed to attracting stares. It was the face of a man who seemed to have reached a tacit understanding with nobody in particular that he was to be respected and obeyed. The other students seemed to be in agreement, having dutifully fallen in line without him uttering a word to them. His hands were veiny, surely packed with that notorious old man's strength, his eyes always seemed to sparkle, as if there was a secret that only he knew. He nodded and moved on to stand over me, even taller than he had over Marcus. He looked me up and down, derisively, and his lip twitched slightly, making his moustache quiver ever so slightly. His eyes finally settled on mine and he smirked. Aye, I winced. Have I mentioned I hate my name? Especially so when he said it, announcing each syllable carefully. I prefer Ian. I corrected, holding his gaze. His eyes seemed to squint, and his jaw seemed to clench. I didn't realize
1: I had asked. You didn't, I just...
0: Right. The room went silent. I cursed at myself for not taking a moment to think before correcting the headmaster himself.
1: I didn't ask. A simple yes would suffice. Or nothing at all.
0: Yes. Sir? Yes, sir. He nodded approvingly. He lingered for a moment before continuing, gracing me with the bit of extra scrutiny I doubtlessly deserved, after that inaugural misstep.
1: I can't expect you to live up to the name, but hopefully you won't
0: embarrass yourself. His words stung deep, and I didn't even know who I was named after. Some guy named Aynarell, most likely. Educated guess. He sounded just like my dad. A wannabe motivational guru, mired in boundless anger. It seemed ironic being so close to escaping that constant negativity, just to fall in with somebody just as cruel. I shot Marcus a sidelong glance. His earlier comment about my dad still rang in my ears. He couldn't know who was or wasn't my dad. We had just met. But at the same time, he seemed so aware of what we were doing here while I found myself more clueless than they seemed to understand. Eyes. The headmaster growled, and I felt my eyes being pried back towards him. This isn't social
1: hour, Aenarel. If you want to see your roommate, I'm sure he'll be more than happy to pose for you in the candlelight of your room.
0: I felt my face flush, and one of the older boys chuckled. (laughs) earning him a withering glare from the headmaster. I composed myself quickly. I had dealt with a man like him all my life. It was nothing new, and it should be far less personal than what I was used to. When his eyes were back on mine, they were no longer full of spiteful anger. Instead, they observed me keenly, as if the torchlight was illuminating me for the first time.
1: So you aced
0: the test. I nodded. Yes, sir. He nodded, and I felt myself hoping it was a nod of satisfaction. I wanted to impress him. I wanted his approval.
1: That'll be your table,
0: then. He gestured with his head. Without turning, I knew which table. My Elba or my Saint Helena. The start of a new chapter. Or my place to die. He turned around and paced back up the stairs to his place. A glance towards the butlers and they unfroze, continuing about their tasks as if nothing had happened. I did a double take, not quite understanding how they had kept still as statues, as the headmaster spoke, not even their bosoms heaving with breaths. I think I saw the faintest hint of an amused smile upon his lips as he looked down at me. Then he spread his arms wide, Today, we, we welcome, welcome the newest member of the Dread, Dread family. His voice boomed, echoing again and again off the walls of the hall. I marveled at the acoustics, and then he turned his palms downwards, and the sound was dead.
1: Welcome, Dreads.
0: The 11 other students around us said in perfect unison. I felt fleeting panic. Then it was fear. A visceral fear that threw my stomach into a Gordian knot I couldn't even hope to untangle. Maybe if I did, everything would fall neatly into place. I would understand how I came to be enrolled in this cultist school. I would understand what it meant to be a dread and why nobody had ever mentioned it to me before. It was a hopeless task, untying that knot. But maybe if I untangled it, I would find myself back at home. Receiving an innocuous package addressed to the wrong home. Maybe this was all a mistake, and that's why I felt so utterly lost and out of place. Maybe the neighbor boy was the dread, whatever that meant. I knew that wasn't true. I had been learning the test material since the first day of Mother's lessons. It had been no surprise to Mother when she ripped open the envelope, containing my test results, and she had seen that perfect score. She had just smiled and given me a firm hug, and when we pulled apart, her eyes were moist. My heart pounded in my chest. The way they recited their salutations in unison was uncanny. It sent chills up and down my spine. The headmaster's palms were pointed up now, and he slowly raised his arms. The fiery spotlight was no longer fixed on him. For the first time since we entered, the other students snapped out of their diligently maintained positions and looked around with me at the wondrous spectacle that exploded into action. Shadows swirled. No longer were they twisted, elongated monsters outlining our static bodies. They took on a life of their own. The knot in my stomach intensified, the pounding of my heart grew louder, so loud that I could hear it echoing off the cavernous walls of the Great Hall. Inhuman creatures were birthed from the light of the fires, dancing a macabre dance, dancing along the walls. Then they separated themselves limb by limb, undoing themselves of the stone restraints and stepping out into our realm. We looked around, glimpsing one monster and then another, and then feeling a warm breath upon our napes. But the shadows disappeared from our peripheries as we turned. All eyes except Headmaster's dreads. His stares remained firmly fixed on us. I could see him smiling now. His grin stretched unnaturally wide. As shadowy creatures gyrated and contorted to the rhythm of my pounding heart. Dark assassins wielding knives. Shadow monsters stalking prey. Silent killers on the hunt. Empty eyes that stole my gaze. They whirled past in that ghastly dance and traveled through me like I wasn't there. They disappeared into my chest, the icy plunge of an inky sword. They re-emerged on the other side, transformed into a different beast. And then his arms fell to his sides and the flames were snuffed out like candles in a sudden draft. The only light came from the fireplace behind him, Lonely embers in the wreckage of the once magnificent castle. Corpses were strewn in the rubble. Familiar faces I couldn't quite place. Bodies battered and broken as hungry shadow creatures devoured what was left of them. I heard Marcus gasp behind me, and I saw my mother. And I knew he couldn't be seeing my mother too. She was consumed, as I knew she would be, by a shadow creature resembling my dad. Marcus stepped towards her, and like waking from a dream, that world shattered. I emerged back into the reality I had once been convinced I knew. The core tenets of my world, replaced by an existential uncertainty. Marcus was pale and trembling. The upperclassmen looked suddenly small in their fear in spite of having entered that shadowy hell of an induction ceremony as veterans. I looked up towards the headmaster, who still stood watching us. His face returned to that irritable trace of a smile. His eyes were fixed on Marcus and me as we still stood rooted to our spots. The others were gone, having sulked away to their seats for the midday meal. I didn't want to be sent to my alba. That personal exile between two tables and the focal point of my classmates. And then I found a word, for that knot I felt in my stomach, and the clamminess of my hands, and the pounding of my heart. It was dread,
1: and that was why I was here.
0: Mates, I loved this story. The characters, the unknown, the mysterious concept of what a dread is... Yes, this story has it all mates, and a big thank you to Magic123. I sincerely hope more of this series comes our way because it was a joy to read. I'll give the author a nudge and see what they're up to. If you have any stories, recommendations, let me know. And don't be a stranger mates, email me at tales at gmail.com. And also if you're feeling awesome and have a couple of seconds spare, Hop into iTunes and leave a review. That would be bloody brilliant. As always, mates. Till next, we meet.